Hello, 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 America. You have found it. It's the Loftus Party. And I say America, but I mean the rest of the world. We have listeners globally. And I thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. I'm very excited. I've had a lot of coffee. And I'm going to be honest, I've been hitting the Red Bull kind of hard. Uh, we got a great show for you this week. We've got uh, Andrew Apple over there in Los Angeles. Andrew? Hello, Michael. Hello. And we have uh, Stacy Lennox broadcasting from her freedom bunker <laughs> somewhere in Georgia. Yes, I'm in the bunker at an undisclosed how are, location. How are things in the freedom bunker? Oh, the freedom bunker is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it was actually kind of funny because I was thinking of you earlier this week, Michael. I'm sure you were. What were you thinking? Well, the the Cato Institute, these these really great little think tank of sort of libertarianish sort of folks. Every four years, they do a survey, a survey okay. to and- find out which of the fifty states have the most freedom for their residents. And as I looked at that particular so slow um, down, study, slow down, slow down. So okay. First of all, you are jumping right into the show. You skipped oh, like three sorry. years. You're like kaboom. No, I like it. I like it that you are you are ready to go. So there's a, a place called the Cato Institute. In It's an Israeli think tank? No, no. A conservative libertarian think tank here in the U.S. Oh, okay. I was about to it's, say. It's hooked to those, it's hooked to those evil Koch brothers. Ah, uh, the Koch brothers. The Koch okay, brothers, so. along with Americans for Prosperity and all that other stuff. Those horrible freedom-loving folks. Those bastards. So <laughs> they they're ranking they're ranking every state, right? They are ranking every state. I have the I have the funny feeling now. I'm about to get slammed somehow. Do you know what number forty nine is? Out of out of out of fifty. Out of fifty, it would uh, be the next to the bottom of the barrel. California. Exactly. Do you know what number 50 is? New York. Yes. Yeah, I figured. So those are the worst? Those are the worst in terms of individual freedom and and business freedom and personal liberty and the ability to pursue some serious happiness. And I just found it amazing, amazing that on the New York, on the New York report, after looking at California and all those nifty gun things that Jerry Jerry Brown signed in after the court said they weren't going to hear any more cases, like we're going to register ammo now, um, yeah. that New York still lost to California. And it was actually recommended that New York adopt the business practices of California, Pennsylvania, and Connecticut to improve its score. Oh, my gosh. So who's the best? Who has the most out of all 50 states? Who has the most freedom? It's actually very close to you. It's New Hampshire. Live free or die. Their license plate is truth in advertising. That's great. So so here's what I want to know. Like what more what more honestly, what more personal freedoms do they have in New Hampshire than than I have in in uh, New York? Lots of things around the regulatory environment in terms of how personal behavior is regulated. New New Hampshire actually has some of the best Second Amendment uh, laws in the country as far as freedoms around gun ownership. Um, And they also have an incredible business environment in terms of the tax structure and other things. So this survey, if you haven't gone out and taken a look at it, I was actually disappointed because I'm in the Freedom Bunker in Georgia and we rank number 22. That's awful. Awful, I say. Wow. Where's yeah. Ohio on this list? Like you have it memorized. Where's let me, Ohio? Let me go and look. I can look it up real quick. Where's Ohio? Let's see. 
Because that's where I'm from. That's the old hometown. O H I O. Number thirty-one. You just 31. keep going down the list, friend. See, here's this is a great segue. Like, and 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 this is something I'm gonna I'm gonna give it up to Glenn Beck on this one. Glenn Beck, a very he he was using a chalkboard. Like you know, remember he used to do on on Fox News when he was on Fox News all the time. Yep. Like, you don't see your freedoms being taken away. It's mm. it's tiny little dribs and drabs. And they take a little bit, and you're like, okay, I can handle that. Then they take a little bit more, and you're like, okay, I can handle that. And then they take – it's just – it's a it's like the Chinese water torture. And what is the breaking point? That's what I want to know. When do uh, – do, do we have to lose them all? Do we have to be in, like, some, like, George Orwellian 1984 society before we freak out and try to get freedom back? I don't know. And I, and I think a lot of people don't pay attention to what's going on at the state level because so much of that freedom grabbing stuff now is coming straight out of Washington, D.C. They're just bypassing the states altogether. But what what are they taking? What are we losing? I need an example. I need something I can sink well, my teeth into. A, we talked a lot last week about money. We're losing a lot of money oh. <laughs> into the tax system for things we don't even understand. Yeah. Then you've got Tim Kaine. If you don't know who Tim Kaine is, folks, he's Hillary Clinton's vice presidential nominee. Also um, excellent saying, harmonica player. He's also Does a harmonica he... player. Yep. Hold yep. on. Where was hold the phone? Hold the phone. Tim Plane. Tim Plane. Tim Tim Kaine plays the harmonica? Absolutely. There was actually a video that came out earlier this week uh, of him just jamming with a band on his harmonica at uh, an event. Okay, that dude is super creepy. That dude is super de-duper creepy. If but that you was Martin in, O'Malley. If, say what? You liked Martin O'Malley. You yeah. thought he should stick around and yeah, play the Yeah, but Martin O'Malley was a rock star. I mean, let, let's be honest. There was something pretty badass about Martin O'Malley, even if you didn't like his politics. Martin O'Malley? I don't know. I all I know is this: Tim Kaine gives me the absolute creeps. I'm a very good judge of people, and this is just me going. I that that dude just he literally gives me the creeps. Something is not right with that guy. He's like a uh, he's like a cheesy little villain from a Coen Brothers movie. Uh, there's ugh, you know what he like was. Him. You know what he was before before he was tapped for Hillary's nominee and and yeah, he know. was the head of the Democratic National Committee. Yeah, before Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Yeah, that was the whole deal. Andrew and I were talking about that that a, a couple weeks ago. That was the uh, the quid pro quo. That was the hey. Uh, Hillary Clinton lost to Barack Obama, so she already knew, okay, I'm going to put in my bid for eight years from now, so I need to get my girl Debbie Wasserman Schultz in there, so Tim Kaine, you got to step down to let Debbie in, and then Tim Kaine's like, what do I get out of this deal, and she's like, how does vice president sound, and he said, okie dokie, okie dokie, harmonica solo, okie dokie, let me put you in the wood chipper, he is creepy. You make him sound <laughs> like a human Teddy Ruxpin there. He is. He's like if Teddy Ruxpin and um, oh gosh, who's the guy from Fargo? William H Macy. If Teddy Ruxpin and William H Macy had a baby, it would be a harmonic and play and super creepy. Tim Kaine. <laughs> Woo! Woo! We are we are firing it up. I guess so. <laughs> okay, so uh, I want to go straight to the Twitter thing. I want to put this behind us. Um, I, I took so, I took. Yeah, you were giving me grief on Twitter for uh, supporting the Bee Gees. Yes, I was. Are you not down with the Bee Gees? No, I'm not. Okay, okay, okay. The Bee Gees but, were a little before my time. They were um, before my time I, as yeah, well. However, yeah, but I didn't the, hit the I didn't hit the skating rink until it was like Hall and Oates. 
Even, oh my gosh, you just did another one. You know what other song I just downloaded? Uh, She's Gone by Hall and Oath. I so, that's a great only, tune. I need to take over your iTunes. I wish. I'm trying to download some Al Green right now, and I'm having some uh, problems with that. Hall and Oates, their early stuff, fantastic. Go back and listen to some early Bee Gees, the Brothers Gib. They are truly, truly, their history has not been very kind to them. And and I think Barry is the last one alive. He's got another album coming out. I hope it's good. Uh, but I, it's almost, I feel like, like, I want to give Barry Gibb a hug. Like, America was so mean to those dudes. Like, so vicious to them. Simply because they were popular. And uh, they, they did some great tunes. I'm sorry. You the can throw on... The only recollection I think I have... Didn't Andy Andy Gibb hook up with Victoria Principal or something? Yes, yes. Yes, that's, that was, that's, that's a the big, vague recollection I have of the Brothers Gibb. That is a big fight in the Loftus household. Because Andy true. Gibb was desperately in love with her... And she said something like, you love the drugs more than me. She kicked him out, and then he OD'd. And, uh, yeah, very, very sad. Very, very sad. sad. A lot of tragedy in that family, but a lot of great music. Nights on Broadway. We I'll, I'll stay away. I'll stay away from the whole uh, uh, staying alive thing. You know, Saturday Night Fever. If you took Saturday Night Fever out of the mix, still so many great songs. I started a joke. That started the whole world crying. It's awesome. Okay, but Michael, I do have to ask you, since we are on this subject, what are your feelings on Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band? That never happened. <laughs> that never happened. That, that never just, happened? Seriously. I am. I can turn a blind... <laughs> I can turn a, a blind eye to that whole thing. That was an assault uh, on the good name of the Beatles. That was just a drug-fueled fiasco that never occurred. <laughs> so never you are occurred. in Sergeant Pepper denial. Yes. They did a horrible movie where they, oh, oh, it just, I, I never even saw it because it would just, it would break my heart. So anyway, yes, I'm a, I'm a proud lover of the Bee Gees. Here's my analogy to this. Appreciating, like, the, the Bee Gees had the number one selling album of all time for the long, long, longest time. And then Michael Jackson uh, came out with Thriller, and it surpassed them. And, like, uh, the, the uh, record company called up Barry Gibb, and he's like, hey, bad news. Uh, Michael Jackson just beat the all-time record, and Barry Gibb, heartbroken, uh, not from the, the loss of the record, he goes, well, he can have it. He can have it because he had th those the, the Bee Gees had had so much hate, just so much hate thrown at him. They're like, let Michael Jackson deal with it. Let him deal with it. Well, and I guess he did a little bit. But back to your other your other uh, fanboy moment there on Hall and Oates. Hold up, hold up. I want to say this. Liking the Bee Gees is like liking masturbation, okay? Everybody's like, ooh, but everybody does it and everybody <laughs> loves it. Oh, God. You can always count on Loftus for the visual. Yes. There you go. Okay, so what else? We're going to segue into something we else. We can segue back to Mr. Hall for a moment. Daryl Hall's the blonde one, right? Yeah, Daryl Hall. Okay, the big blonde one. He has some really epic new series where he's bringing all kinds of you know new artists to the forefront, this like live jam sort of thing. He took your favorite group of people, the social justice warriors, the little buttercups who can't hear anything that they don't agree with, to task in an article in Salon like I have never seen before. He oh, can't that was stand fantastic. Them. It was awesome. 
Yeah, where they were like, you have, you've taken black music or something? You're not allowed yes, to take... You've appropriated it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You've appro- you're a rich girl, blue. and you've gone too yeah. far, and you know it don't matter anyway. Yeah. That you whole can't, album. It can't be a white guy and play play the blues, apparently, or you're appropriating things. Well, you know what? I, I can see where they, they're upset with it, but like, and, and unless and unless you are an artist, like, you know who has a, a, a great beef? Uh, Little Richard. Little Richard had a great beef. Chuck Berry has a real, you know, they couldn't, they literally couldn't get their songs on the radio until like white people covered it. You know, Elvis Presley, Pat Boone, those guys. Uh, however, you, you can't get mad at it. You can't get mad at a, at a person who's just putting out great music, especially no. like, uh, like that whole Philly sound that Hall and Oates were doing back in the day. That that was like 1970 something. That's awesome. Yeah, he was he was throwing some f bombs at him, which is the, oh, which is exactly how you need to confront uh, these douchebag people on mm-hmm. Twitter. I had that uh, I had that picture. Uh, I think it was like two uh, Russian girls, beach volleyballs uh, players, and and one girl's like smacking the other girl on the butt. You know, and you know what it is. It's it's not even a it's not even like a salacious picture. It's just like it's so tame. And I, I just tweeted out uh, at the Flipside Loftus. I'm like, hey, we're getting ready to do the podcast. Uh, if you got any topics, now's the time to let us know. And I put that picture on there with like the hashtag teamwork. And I'm not kidding you. Uh, somebody they had a they had a, their uh, their icon, their little picture thing was just the outline of a heart, and it had like the rainbow flag on it. And and they said, "This is disgusting." Like, really? That's disgusting. We got a lot of we got a lot of different words we could have used, but you used disgusting, and you've got you've got the gay flag in your icon picture. That like that's how no, that's not disgusting. That's what you're aspiring to. Good <laughs> lord. Yeah, no, Twitter definitely has its share of shall we say um, buttercups. Buttercups. Yay, I can't buttercups. see anything. I can't hear anything. I can't read anything. I don't disagree with. But Twitter is a public platform, and I'm going to look at the timelines of everyone I already know I hate. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Oh my gosh, let's talk about this. This is a great one. Um, uh, what just dude, uh, Brad Thor? Yeah. On Twitter, made some Twitter news. Do you follow the Brad Thor? Oh, I followed the ba- Brad Thor for years. All right. Well, the Brad Thor was one of the loudest. Uh, Never Trump people, and he just did some basic math the other day that I found hysterical. Mm-hmm. He's going to vote for Trump because uh, Trump is a better chance of freedom than Hillary. I'm like, welcome aboard, dude. How long did it take you to do that math? Well, yeah, and then his Twitter timeline has been a little bit, um, shall we say, schizophrenic since he made the decision, so it's kind of hard to follow exactly where his head is, but yeah, no, oh. he... He came out and said, I listened to Professor Hewitt. Hugh Hewitt, if you know anything about conservative pundits and journalism, Hugh Hewitt is the professor. He said, I listened to Hugh Hewitt last night. I did some soul searching, and this is where I ended up. Yeah. And good good for him. Everybody has to be able to live with the decision they make in any year and, and the choices they make in any year. So... If, you know, unfortunately, some folks live in a bigger public bubble than others and, you know, want to share their thought processes, more power to them, you know, but at the end of the day, we all have to feel good about the choice we make that way. And if that's what makes Brad Thor feel good, you know what? There are people 
And I really subscribe at this point to the Reagan philosophy. If I agree with you 80% of the time, we can work together. We got some things we can pursue and fight for together. 80% is good enough. That's what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Good old I think, I think the Republican Party and the right in general is really going to have to face that 80% number after this election or they don't have a really good chance of coalescing going forward. Well, it's going to be easy. I love that uh, that Donald Donald Trump has changed uh, his tactic now at, at going after the minority votes, going after the uh, African American and the Latino voters. I love like, and I'm totally paraphrasing here, but in a speech he gave a couple nights ago, he's like, "Hey, you're you're you've got so much poverty. Your neighborhoods are a wreck. You've been counting on the Democrats for help forever." And I know you just want to have better lives and raise your kids in a safe environment. And the Democrats have done nothing but let you down. What do you have to lose by voting for me? Like, what do you have to lose? I'm like, that is the best. That's the best thing Donald Trump has said in ages. What do you got to lose? (laughs) What do you got to lose? Seriously. Consider me your last stop. And I tell you what, those uh, those Democrats, they're so scared that like after he gave that speech, uh, the media spin the next day was like Trump had a shakeup in his campaign. He had a shakeup. He hired this. Uh, and like and and instead of celebrating the fact that it's the first woman to be the head of a uh, presidential campaign, like in a kajillion years or maybe even ever, they're like, whoa, there's panic. There's panic in the Trump campaign. I love it. Well, I think in all transparency and honesty, I think they did get a little panicky with some of the ties on Manafort coming out. Some of that information was readily available about the suit in the Cayman Islands and things like that and his ties to the folks in Yugoslavia. But some really ugly stuff started coming out and they needed to get rid of him. Yeah, well, then good. He's gone. Yesterday's news. Mm-hmm. But he I think there was he could have stayed and I wouldn't have cared. He could have stayed and I wouldn't have cared. It's like such small potatoes, such small potatoes. And compared to uh, the, the, the Clinton Foundation. My goodness. My goodness. That's the scandal right there. You know what I think, uh, Stacey and Andrew? Here's what I think. I think that the, the Clinton campaign has peaked too early. I really do. I don't think her I don't think her numbers go up anymore. Uh, but yeah, I, this year, honestly, I, I'm not making a bet about anything. Nothing has gone along the lines of traditional wisdom. And I am just watching it all because, you know, when you take a look at the Clinton Foundation, for example, if Hillary wins the presidency, she'll no longer take foreign donations. What? Like taking them now doesn't matter. I swear. I mean, that's insane. I, and then. And then there's a there's a part of the Clinton Foundation, like the Clinton like health initiative or something. They're like, hey, we're not going to agree to that. We're still going to take money. Well, they you can't mean the even... Clinton Health Initiative that like collected one hundred and forty million dollars for Haiti and gave them like three thousand. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but yeah. No, according to. Uh... A uh, watchdog place, uh, it's called Charity Navigator. Mm-hmm. Charity Navigator says the Clinton Foundation took in $140 million, and out of that $140 million that came in, $9 million went out to to help people. The mm-hmm. rest of that $140 million, <laughs> $131 million, went for, like, travel and fundraisers and mm-hmm. uh, offices and salaries. I mean, it is 
It is the epitome of a slush fund. It is the epitome of crooked. It's crooked lying, Hillary. Well, it's not just the epitome of a slush fund and the epitome of crooked. It's the epitome of influence peddling is what it is. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you start looking at the email leaks and everything that went on between the State Department, the Clinton Foundation, and some of the decisions made by the State Department and the donors to the Clinton Foundation, I mean, we've been screaming on the right for a while now, pay for play. How is this not pay for play? Somebody needs to look into this. And now, you know, unfortunately, and I, I made a statement like this earlier this week on social media, our political system on both sides of the spectrum has become so not transparent, not authentic, and not giving people the information they need to make good decisions that now you have Julius, Julie, oh my gosh, Assange, WikiLeaks, sorry, giving us the information we need to make better decisions. So we actually have people illegally hacking people to give us information about our leaders in Washington, D.C. and other places because the information we're able to get through the traditional sources would never let us know what's really going on. I tell you what, that's why I am down with Donald Trump. I'm down for that big giant reset. Let's get a private citizen in there. And I love the people like, I swear to, oh my, who was true? Uh, I did that XM radio show, uh, Steel and Unger, the other day. And somebody called in and they're like, or, or maybe it was Rick Unger was saying this to me, going, well, Donald Trump in like 1999 gave $20,000 to Hillary Clinton. And I'm like, well, well, was she the senator of New York back then? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, then you're an idiot if you don't give her money. It's corrupt, guy. That's why that's why. That's like that's not a minus in my book. What Donald Trump tried to bribe Hillary Clinton? That's a plus. He knows he knows how it works. <laughs> you want to have a successful business? You got to grease the wheels. That's why Harry Truman was a great president. Harry Truman knew exactly how the little corruption game was played. And during World War II, he said, "We can't do it, fellas. We can't do it." And even then, there was corruption galore. Oh this yeah. Whole- well, I mean, graft, graft, and and. And all of that, I mean, the 30s and 40s were rife with it. That's how we got a lot of the antitrust laws and other things we have now. Um, Yeah, yeah, corrupt doesn't even begin to describe things like Tammany Hall. And crony capitalism, crony – oh, my gosh. I'm all all about Twitter right now. I'm all about Twitter. And 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 Oh, I just – I love it. I love it. I want to get so big on Twitter that uh, Twitter shuts me down. No, you don't want to get shut down on Twitter. You just want to start getting trolled. That's what somebody, you want. Somebody is now, and this is the best idea ever, and I know I, I had, I thought about it, but I, I didn't, not for, not for more than 10 seconds. And I love it when, when people actually follow through and they do stuff like this. There are so many great little speeches that uh, the young candidate Barack Obama gave just ripping Hillary apart just ripping her apart and they're now they're putting them on uh, on YouTube and they're putting them on Twitter uh, I retweeted one and I'm like hey don't take it from me take it from the president it's so great Barack Obama just talking about how corrupt Hillary Clinton is it's beautiful it's beautiful Donald Trump doesn't have to make another ad he can just put those things on an endless loop Oh my God! He'd have to make an ad or two to begin with, Michael. No, no, he did one. He did one this week. He he dropped his first ad. Yeah, it wasn't bad. 
He, it's uh, the, Andrew. This is the one that's all about like national security and safety and border walls and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I, I think they the the pundits keep saying that that's the right message. I don't think it is. I don't think it is at all. It's jobs. It's the economy. Well, if you read, there's there's a lot of folks in western Pennsylvania in that area that seems to be kind of like in contention for, you know, moving the Electoral College in one way or another, depending on who you read and who you listen to. So you look at what's traditionally called the Iron Belt, right? That's what those folks are all talking about. And unfortunately, from my perspective, I don't think anybody really has the right solution because those folks are traditionally in industries that aren't coming back. Well, um, you know what? That's kind <laughs> so of like we got to find right, right. blah 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 blah. The free market will take care of that. Like we were talking about that last week and I was thinking about it a lot. And you know what? We can't solve that problem. Like yeah, the robots are coming, uh better computers are coming, different fa- but you know what? We're not going to figure it out. The uh, no think tank invented the light bulb. A dude in Jersey did. No think tank invented uh, the laptop. Some dude in his uh, parents' garage uh, in Silicon Valley did. So all we have to do is get government out of the mix, stand back, and watch out. There, it'll just happen, and we'll all be shocked and amazed. And AEI totally agrees with you. Do you know what the highest inflation items since 1996 have been? No, I do not. Hospital, uh, hospitalization and health care <laughs> and college tuition. We're talking hundreds of percent from where they were in 1996, and they are the two most highly government-subsidized things in the world. Because you know what? A university that is guaranteed government student loan money is going to spend every dime of it. And a hospital that is guaranteed Medicare, Medicaid, and traditional insurance reimbursement is going to spend every dime of it. And they're just going to keep spending and jacking up those prices. And that's what they've been doing since 1996. The chart is frightening. You know what's going on I literally, it's crazy that you brought it up because I'm like, why is that that, um, ringing a bell with me? I have that chart in front of me right now. Mm Mm-hmm. And it is crazy. All of the stuff that is like uh, entrepreneurial and and capital, and there is a free market. Everything, the price has gone down. Uh, TVs, cell phones. New cars, household furnishings, clothing, cell phone service, software, televisions, all of it has gone down. Housing is up over 50%. Food and beverage is up over 50%. Health care is over 100%. Child care, 125%. College tuition and textbooks are 200% more expensive. Since 1996. Good Lord in heaven. Just mm-hmm. this, this one chart is just staggering. Just absolutely staggering. If well, you want to fix the price of college tuition, stop government student loans for everybody. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Bada bing, bada boom. Andrew, it sounded like you wanted to chime in there. Well, I mean, I just, one of the things that I'm hearing, because I have not seen that chart, but everything you said where the price has gone down, those are all things that we have made in foreign countries. And everything where the price has gone up, those are things that we can't export. So what does that say about how we're doing things? What do you mean we can't export higher education? I mean, we can't. Uh, oh, yes, you can. We bring hundreds of thousands of students over here on student visas to go to our schools and universities in this country. 
That, that's exporting higher education. We no, actually no, that, that do would export be, it. That would be importing higher education. You have to bring people here to go. Here. You have to bring people here to go. But we are actually we actually do export the concept of our higher education system. We we actually export healthcare to some degree because people do come to this country for healthcare. But what I'm saying is every I worked in a business that supported higher education for a number of years. And we knew in the sales and marketing of that business that if government student loans were ever to be rolled back, cut back, et cetera, our pricing structure would go down. We could raise our contracts every year because every year federal student loan reimbursement went up to these colleges and universities and everybody gets to go to college. There is no penalty if you take a student loan and you drop out other than you have to pay it back. There is no quality filter on it that takes a look at the workforce and says there's no market base to it. This is what skills and abilities do we need in this country to get the economy going like Michael was talking about. And we're going to fund those. We're not going to fund your gender bias under basket weaving liberal, liberal arts degree. Everybody can go, everybody can study whatever they want without an eye to either quality or utility. And it's just, it's cost, it's caused the price to go through the roof. Well, um, all I know is this, some stuff has gone down, some stuff's more expensive. And it seems like the expensive stuff <laughs> is, is like when the government gets in there, it gets more expensive. Andrew, you have kind of a point. Uh, yeah, a lot of this stuff uh, is imported. However, Stacy, you also have a great point. I'm gonna call it a tie. But when, uh, whenever the whenever the government says we're gonna back up uh, the loans for housing, uh, suddenly mm -hmm. housing gets super expensive. Yep. Uh, whenever the government gets involved in healthcare, it gets super expensive. Uh, college, it gets super expensive. And and getting back to healthcare right now, uh, was it Aetna? Is it Aetna yes, that uh, yes, decided Aetna. they've had enough? Well, what yes, they, they've had enough. Well, what they said was they've been trying to merge with Humana for a while. And they just basically said, look, you're either going to let us merge with Humana or we're going to pull out of the national health care system. We're going to pull out of Obamacare. So that's what? There's there's five big companies and, and what, three of them now have pulled out? Yeah, I think Cigna's gone. They're all saying now that if Blue Cross Blue Shield leaves, it's over. It's just over. Well, there you go. So we're not going to have. So what happens then? Like, uh, do does it go to like what happens then to Obamacare? Is it just a a pipe dream that failed, or are they they're going to try to revive it? Well, what happens, it, you it's, guys? It's going to be a mess in general because we still have a law on the books that has the personal mandate and. We're going to have a much more disjointed way in which people are going to have to go off and find their own coverage. Ooh, it, now it's getting interesting. Now it's getting interesting. Let's well, see there, what happens. Well, there's two eventual ends to Obamacare. Either it's going to self-destruct and there's going to be some market forces that bust up this you know, insurance crony capitalism that goes right into the heart of D.C., where, you know, we actually let insurance market across state lines and do some of the other stuff it would need to do to be more efficient and cost effective. Or you're going to end up with socialized medicine. And we're all going to have the VA. I, you know what? I think that's the that's the ultimate uh, plan is they wanted they wanted to get to come down to single payer. Mm -hmm. I, I really 
Uh, I don't think that the uh, the Democrats that that wanted this are that stupid. I think that this kind of was the end game. That the the insurance companies won't be able to hang in there. They won't be able to do it. Uh, so it's going to face it, everyone's going to have to go to single payer, and that's uh, that's really bad for innovation. Super bad for innovation. It's I don't like having all my eggs in one it's basket. Bad. It's bad for innovation. It's bad for quality of care. I mean, all you have to do to understand what single payer looks like is look at the VA. That is what healthcare run by government bureaucrats looks like. Hey, remember that dude? I think his name is Martin Screlly or whatever. The yeah, guy who pharma bro. like, oh my god! If you want to be highly entertained, highly entertained, follow that dude on Twitter. He's a riot. He's awesome, okay? Like, I know that whole thing was, like, super ugly and everything, but uh, I got to give it up where it's due. And that dude is funny. He's he's quite entertaining. Maybe he can make some money off of that. Okay, so uh, Obamacare is going to go down, 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 and then it's going to be single payer, and then we'll find out what happens. Uh, the Clinton Foundation is a giant slush fund. Ooh, and this – check me out doing my own segues here. From the Clinton Foundation to healthcare, let's talk about Hillary's health. Is that an issue or non-issue? Uh, I, I think that's that's a non-issue, uh, honestly, because we we haven't seen anything specific about her health. I mean, the, the Trump campaign has insinuated she's had a few issues, but we haven't actually seen anything prove it. Now that doesn't mean it's not there, but I, I don't know how deep that well goes right now. Now I hold on, things. hold on a I second. I want two things. Okay, what do you I want? I want say, Hillary see? Clinton's medical records, Fair and enough. I want Donald Trump's taxes. I want them both. You and I are on the same page there, Stacy. <laughs> okay. I want them both. All right. All right. I'll go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go one better. I want. Uh, I want four things. Okay. Ooh. I want. I want Hillary Clinton's health records. Uh, I want Donald Trump's taxes, just so people will shut the fuck up about it. I want Hillary's speeches to uh, Wall Street, and I want her missing emails. Sounds good. I could sign up for all that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, wonderful. Now, I would have written off the, the health. Two things happened uh, recently about Hillary's health. Uh, thing number one, the mainstream media is calling it a conspiracy. Of course. They're calling it a and, – and listen, I learned this from my good friend uh, Cheryl Atkinson. Once they all start calling it a kooky, crazy conspiracy theory, that is uh, – that's step one in you're on to something. Once they all uh, start saying a conspiracy theory, a guy from CNN, conspiracy theory, uh, another guy from Media Matters, conspiracy theory, MSNBC, conspiracy theory, Vox, conspiracy theory, Andrea Mitchell, conspiracy theory – uh, NBC Nightly News, conspiracy theory. Like now there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different uh, sources from the quote unquote mainstream media who are all using the same catchphrase. And that is a sign that there might be something there. Then this happened. And Andrew, if you could, or maybe Stacy, you could, uh, see if you can grab a little bit of the, uh, the Dr. Drew quote. Dr. Drew from Loveline. Uh, do you ever listen to Loveline? Uh, back in the day, I did. Is that still running? It was, yeah, fantastic radio show. Doesn't he Doctor? have? Doesn't he have a TV show too? Yeah, he has yes. a TV show yeah. on HLN. He's that that guy. He's he's kind of a media whore. He's got like 
like five different shows. He's but Doctor Dr. Drew was in the green room of CNN, and they were t- he was with another physician, and they were talking about well, on this date Hillary had this, and the doctors said it was this, so they treated her with uh, this. And Doctor Drew looked at this other doctor in the green room and went, "That is not even close to right." If what they're if what they're saying, oh, this is Hillary's malady, for a doctor to prescribe, uh, you know, medicine X, that's really, really not right. And any and any basic doctor knows that. And that's the other one that had me go, ooh, maybe there's something there. Well, what they were what he was referring to specifically was uh, her hyperthyroidism, and okay, what he said was the manner in which she claims she's treating it is very unconventional. And if we were providing the care she was receiving, we'd be ashamed to show up in the doctor's lounge. We'd be laughed out. Bada bing, bada boom. Cue the Twilight Zone music. So maybe there's something going on there. But yeah, I mean, I I think that, you know, she certainly has not been transparent about things that may have occurred in the past. There's always been some thing around a concussion of some sort. Um, And, you know, there are post-concussive syndromes that can happen. Um, Certainly hyperthyroidism is is something. I mean, if she was truly hyperthyroidism and it was out of control, she'd weigh about 50 pounds. I mean, that that is like the fire burning for your metabolism. So I'm not really sure I'm buying that one either. Um, You know, and again, I think everything we see now is so different than maybe what was traditional in a certain amount of disclosure if you were applying for the highest office in the land. So you're you're basically applying to be the leader of the free world. And yeah, there's a little kicking of the tires and looking under the hood that people should be able to do both into your personal physical health and your and your finances. And yeah, without that level of transparency, you're going to continue to see things like WikiLeaks hacking things to try to find the information to create a sensation or create winners and losers. And I think that's a very dangerous thing. I think the media kind of cover ups. And 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 willingness to play this ooh conspiracy theory game rather than just give us the information we're asking for because you are applying to be leader of the free world. Well, here's what I'm saying. Uh, I think there's something there. This this show we've got an awesome track record of calling it before it happened. Like a couple weeks ago, we called it on the show. It's a hostage payment. You remember that one? We'll get mm-hmm. to that in a second. But I'm just calling it right now. There's something funky with Hillary's health. I'm just saying it. Uh, I'm looking at my watch uh, and and marking the time. There is something funky going on with Hillary's health because you don't you don't get the full media blitz of saying mm-hmm. it's a wacky conspiracy theory unless there's something there. Um, well, and, oh, and the here's my payment. other thing. Can I get? Most... Can I get? Can I get a little love for calling the hostage payment thing? I can hear me saying it right now. It was a hostage payment. It was a hostage payment, and now they came out and said it. It was a hostage payment. And, and to be fair, we should just clarify what they said was it was you. It was a still a payment for guns and weapons that were never delivered, but that payment was used as leverage. That's their words. Yeah. Yeah, of course they're they're not going to call it a hostage. Andrew, payment. let's put it this way. I'm not traveling internationally ever anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, I I tell you what, I canceled I canceled my vacation plans to Iran back in 1979. I'm talking, I wouldn't even go to London or Paris right now. Oh, but Paris is so beautiful. 
Paris is so beautiful, but I have no desire to be taken hostage. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, I would take, I'd probably go to London before I would go to Paris. Paris I'll is go to a, Ireland or Scotland, not London. And I'll see you at the whiskey distilleries there, Stacey. Mm. Ireland is a good time. Ireland is a good time. Hey, is uh that that statue of naked Trump, is that in, that's not in Piccadilly Circus, is that in Union Square? I don't know where they put it up, but can I just say that the 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 language around that entire incident had me tore up. Really? Oh my god, I was laughing. The first thing I see in my Facebook, you know, notifications in the morning, I go in and I look and I'm looking for news is someone erected a statue of naked Donald Trump. <laughs> and I'm like, did they really just say erected? And That's a knee see, slapper. If you didn't see the quote from the New York City Parks and Rec folks, you totally missed it. You totally missed it. I got to find it here. Oh, um, yeah. It was a real knee slapper. Oh, it If they, if they want to put up, if they want to erect a statue, no matter how small. <laughs> you oh, see that? On. I said if erect they, and small. Laugh at some stuff. I mean, you could have, I would have found a naked, a naked statue of Hillary. Every bit is disgusting and probably every bit is hysterical for the language going around it. Yeah, I'm just like like to go to a dick joke. Like when they put it up and like like here's the here's the number one tweet. Uh, the hands are too big. <laughs> At least be original, you uh, you horrible horrible people. And I tell you what, I would love to put up uh, the naked Hillary statue right next to it. I don't I really it. have any desire to see either one of them naked. They're for all intents and purposes senior citizens. Amen. <laughs> Neither one. Thank you. I didn't. Well, there is a, but but here's the, here's the difference. 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 There is a Trump statue. There is. So, as a citizen of the United States, I demand that there be a naked Hillary statue. I demand it. I would rather see the one of Trump destroyed. Uh, no, no, because yes. see, it's out there. It's out there. And for as many days as it's been out there, I want a statue of naked Hillary uh, on her knees sucking his dick. That's, uh, what I that's what I want. That's art, baby. That's my political statement. Ooh. Let's see. Can you imagine? And I and I've always I've never wanted to be this guy. But like, can you imagine if if there if there wasn't a naked Trump statue and somebody just put a statue uh, like some cartoony naked statue of Hillary Clinton out there? Oh my lord! It wouldn't have it wouldn't have lasted uh, thirty seconds. It wouldn't have lasted thirty seconds. The double standard. Did you see what happened in 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 Minneapolis at the at the uh, Trump campaign, the little Trump fundraiser? Yes, I did see some of that. That is that how is, proud. How proud are you to be an American? Have you seen it, Andrew? I have not. Of course you haven't. There's a there's a like a an, an Asian American kid with a mohawk, like straight out of Mad Max, who just like rabbit punches this woman in her late 50s early 60s she's just going into a trump fundraiser with her husband and it's like straight up assault people are yelling things they're throwing things that you are literally getting attacked by an angry mob and this this like asian kid with the mohawk just boom 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 just rabbit punches this woman and nobody bats an eye nobody cares 
Well, I, mean, I, I want think... I I want my naked Hillary statue, and I want that Asian kid uh, to go to jail. I oh, want no, the I Asian want... kid should definitely go to jail. Absolutely. And I think I think that's that, that's another piece of language that I don't find amusing at all. The, the piece of language that calls these people who really are resorting to violence to solve differences, which I will never support. Okay, um, are being termed as protesters. When the Tea Party protested lawmakers in Washington, D.C., they went down to the mall. They were in lawn chairs. They had signs. They chanted things. They put out leaflets. When they were done, all the signs got picked up. All the trash got picked up. All the lawn chairs got picked up, and they went home and went away. No one was assaulted. No one was hurt. No one was nothing. Those are protests. What is going on in places like Minneapolis and Milwaukee and 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 these types of, of situations, those are not protests; those are riots. And if we could get the language right and talk about them for what they really are, I think it would really help everyone. Oh, it's crazy! I think I think uh, somebody said it was an, an an unruly mob. It was an unruly protest or something. I'm like, that's not unruly. That's straight up assault. That's yes. like we are. It's it's horrible. And we did this joke on the flip side, uh, the flip side TV show. Uh, I think it was like season one where we compared, you know, the mall in D.C. Like after the Tea Party left, it looked beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then after like a big Earth Day gathering, it, it was terrible. wrecked. I mean, there was so much garbage. It's like I did really? the same thing after an NRA an, an NRA annual meeting. Photographed the conference hall where it had been and outside, and then put up pictures of an Occupy rally. Yeah, gun owners are really awful. Look at this. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean that what the left will ex- accept as protest or you know your right to be heard and how that happens and and what people do during the course of that is just disgusting. It is. And we need we need excuse me. We need reporters. I swear to God, if they would just do who, what, when, where, why. That's all you have to do. Don't put any spin on it. I was watching this thing last night. Uh, Matt Lauer sat down with uh, Ryan Lochte, the Olympic guy. Oh, Oh, yeah. And Lochte is uh, sticking to the script that his PR guy gave him. And Matt Lauer doesn't have the balls to call him so he doesn't have the balls to say so you lied like he tries to get Matt, Ryan Lochte there Ryan Lochte's still trying to like you know get out from under uh, under it but it's like just r- r- what you did was you lied and and they just Matt Lauer wasn't going to hold his feet to the fire uh, and it was just uh, it was just amazing to watch someone who is uh, – he's okay, you know, that Ryan Lochte, uh, you know, the mainstream media is going to help him out. Uh, but my God, the kid lied, and, and, and Matt Lauer's like, so what would you call it? Um, I don't know what to call it. All I know is there was a gun drawn at my face. Well, do you, do you think they, they wanted the money for the property you destroyed? I, I don't know what they wanted. Uh, there was a translator there. Your your buddy said there was a translator there saying that the guy said, you're going to have to pay for the damages to the bathroom. Uh, I don't know about that, Matt. Uh, all I know is it was unfortunate. And uh, like he's tr- – Ryan Lochte, like – and he's he's bringing up the crocodile tears. Like he's choking back these fake – it was it was horrifying to watch. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. It was really bad, but you and I have a very different take on it. I don't think Matt Lauer – did him any favors and yes he could have hit him a lot harder but it seemed like a scenario of when you've got someone who's digging their own grave and they already bought their own shovel why do you try and take the shovel away from them 
Al Roker did. Al Roker was like, that kid lied. That kid lied. <laughs> Al Roker, the weather guy. The weather guy who's half the man he used to be. But I, I, you know what, in a weird way, I agree with what, you, what you're saying, Andrew. But it wasn't that Matt Lauer was letting him continuing to dig. He wasn't. He kept offering him like a lifeline. Like, are you sure that's what you want to say? Because it might have been something else. Do you really? And Ryan Lochte, he's like, you can see him like he's trying to cry. And like, I swear, people would always say this. I worked with Charlie Sheen. Yeah, there you go. I, I'm name dropping. I worked with Charlie Sheen for a couple years and people would always be amazed. They'd always be amazed. How does Charlie Sheen get away with this? How does he get away with this? And I'd always, it, it seems so obvious. He owns it. They're like, wow, Charlie Sheen, you were paying a, a, a madam? You were having hookers sent to your house for sex? And he'd be like, yeah, and I'm not really paying him for sex. I was really paying him to leave after the sex. But um, but um, bum bum And it was awesome. And so all Ryan Lochte had to say, and it's the same thing with Donald Trump. It's the same thing. They're like, why doesn't this stuff stick to Donald Trump? Because he owns it. And, and it's and it's the same thing that, that Lochte could have done if, if, if he would have said, yeah, man, uh, we had too many beers. We had just finished up. We were partying pretty hard. I really had to go to the bathroom. The bathroom was locked. I kicked it open. That was a really bad call. And then I saw this poster and I don't even know why I did it. But man, I, I knocked that thing down. The next thing I know, there's a gun uh, pointed at me and uh, it was just a horrible incident. And yeah, I, I should I should pay for the new door on the bathroom and I should pay to get that poster replaced. I am not uh, proud of that, and uh, I'm probably not going to party so hard in the future. That's it. End of story. When you try to sneak out of the out of the country, and then he's crying about his teammates. He's like, I just wanted to make sure that they got out of the country. And like, no, dude, you were already back in San Diego. <laughs> you like, you made sure you got out, and you threw your buddies under the bus. You know what I would have liked to have seen? Uh, naked swimming. What? No. What I would have liked to have seen is if one quarter of the coverage that Mr. Lochte and his poor judgment got were given to the folks who are dealing with life-altering circumstances, deaths, and destruction in Louisiana. Uh, amen to that, sister. Amen yeah. to that. So an interesting perspective today that the reason the mainstream media ignores places like Louisiana is because they are in such deep red states that... They have really no constituents there. Well, it's uh, it's quite funny. And, and somebody put one of these up on Twitter recently, and I should have retweeted it. But just like Obama and everybody and their mother going after George Bush, going after George Bush mm -hmm. for Hurricane Katrina. And now the shoe's on the other foot. The shoe is on the other foot. And there was a great dude. I, um, somebody from Louisiana was on CNN. And the CNN reporter is like, we have uh, Louisiana, you know, representative, blah, 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 who who says that that Donald Trump going to Louisiana is just a photo op. And then they go into the interview and the guy is like, I'm so glad Donald Trump came down here. I'm so happy that he came to help because uh, that's what a real leader does. And you could see the shock and dismay on the uh, CNN anchor's face because it was bait and switch. <laughs> He's like. He's like, I'm super glad he came because now people are focusing on the problem and people in Louisiana need help. Yeah, no, and I, I agree. Just the entire lack of coverage of, of what was going on there. I mean, if you take a look at what happened in Ferguson, right, during the riots, yeah. 
Um, one woman, and I'm not saying she didn't deserve it. This was a horrible thing to have happen to her. One woman had opened a bakery, used her life savings to open a bakery. It got destroyed when those little juvenile delinquents decided to burn their own stuff because they were mad. Somebody yeah. gave us her story and a bunch of conservatives put a GoFundMe up that allowed her to reopen better than what she had prior to the riots. You saw no individual stories out of Louisiana coming out of the mainstream media. You saw no calls for help, cries for support. What you saw was a lot of people in red t-shirts and with shovels and with rakes that are from the area doing what needs to be done when something like that happens. And, you know, my anger was really at when you look at some other disasters and some other very unfortunate things that have happened in other areas of the country, maybe because of what they were attached to or where they occur, the response was total, would have been totally different. This is Louisiana. Yeah. It's up to the folks of Louisiana, apparently, to deal with. And that, that really upset me. Well, yeah. And then here's what, what kills me, too, is like there, was a, there were some pictures of Donald Trump and his people unloading a truck and like you had some like never Trump people going, he's handing out Play-Doh. He's handing out play Like somebody must have like in, in one of the boxes uh, among the water and the clothing and the blankets and the, the food. Maybe they were like really they're going to key in on the Play-Doh. Yeah, let's let's mock the one dude who's down there helping. Yeah, let's that's I, I tell you what I've, I'm the. the I, I, the never the never Trump people are starting to uh, baffle and confuse me. I think we've we've done a bunch of them. I think we're ready to move on to uh, some Michael Topias, you guys. Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. The Olympics are closing. Bye bye Olympics. You were pretty good. I wasn't into you uh, in the beginning, but uh, I kind of got on board. It was like the I romantic comedy where first the girl has glasses on and then she takes off her glasses and you realize how beautiful and special she really is. It was like that. It kind of was we got like some that. Serious winning going on there between we did Sipon, very well. Simone and Michael Phelps. I mean, that's some pretty amazing stuff. Amen. Mm-hmm. Phelps is a freak. Uh, Phelps is an X man. Uh, <laughs> he really is. His his shoulders are like abnormally wide, and his arms are abnormally long. He is, he is built perfect for the sport he chose. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Okay, I have a few Michael Topias, but I always like it when somebody else goes first. So, um, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, da 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 Yes. If you are going to build a statue of a naked man on public property, it cannot be a 70-year-old billionaire. It has to be an Olympic swimmer. Okie dokie. <laughs> I'm fine with that. And since there's there's dudes in Michaeltopia, there's also got to be a hot chick. Let's just have – I think – you know who had this down, Stacy? You know who mm-hmm. understood this? Mm. Uh, the ancient Greeks. Like there you every, go. Every once in a while, you just have a statue of a beautiful naked person. I don't think there's a problem with that. It always Not kills me. Like, remember when they covered up uh, 
was it who was given a speech and they had Lady Justice uh, standing behind him, right? And Lady Justice is usually, you know, naked and she's got the blindfold on and the scales and they had to cover up the titties on Lady. Like, really? Are we that immature as a society? In Michaeltopia, Lady Justice had her titties out. (laughs) And you need to check your own daily dose tomorrow because you'll find out why. Okie doke. I love it. Andrew, what do you got? In Michaeltopia, Hillary Clinton is not allowed to have a podcast if she's not going to put in the work that we do. Oh, my gosh. That's right. I didn't listen to it. Did you listen? I, I did. And it's it, it's a puff piece. And you didn't learn anything new. And it's she would have been better off doing an NPR interview if that's what she wanted to do. Wow. Wow. Hillary's podcast not getting good reviews. Okay. Uh, in Michaeltopia, here's mine. In Michaeltopia, if you live on a coast or you live in any area that is prone to flooding, your house is on stilts or is elevated. Okay, I'm driving around. I'm driving around uh, Long Beach here in Long Island the other day, and people have come to the realization that every once in a while, Mother Nature comes and slaps you upside the head. So they're raising, they're elevating their houses. I love the people of Louisiana. I love the people of New Orleans. I love the people who live by beautiful rivers, lakes, and streams. But when Mother Nature comes in and wallops you, I know it makes you very sad. But when you get that insurance check, uh, get your house up. Put your house up on stilts. And the next time this happens, you might look like an idiot. You might feel like an idiot for like 50, 60 years. But guess what? When that next flood comes in, you're going to be okay and your shit's going to be dry. You're welcome, America. I have one last one. Okie dokie. In Michaeltopia, when there is a cartoon movie, it will not be allowed for feminists and other activists to actually believe that one of the characters in that movie has feelings because they're really just cartoons. (laughs) We will never apologize for an animated character again. Oh, right. And this comes from Sausage Party because apparently some people are having a really tough time with some reviewers not being sensitive enough to a lesbian taco. That is funny. Uh, A little quick story. Most of the people who make cartoons have a very twisted sense of humor. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like Sausage Party is just so blatant. It's so blatant. For anybody to be, if you're going to be offended, uh, be offended at the title of the movie. Be offended at the very notion that it exists. Don't go in and get offended at the subtle, the subtle nuances of, of Sausage Party. Well, apparently we were not allowed in some feminist blog post to call the taco a lesbian because it was clearly more bisexual. Oh, okay. I'm not even That's kidding. Great. Michael, funny. can I throw in one more before we go? Yes. Yes, you can. All right. In Michaeltopia, we take a minute to pay respect to John McLaughlin, who we lost this past week. This guy was the OG of podcasting before there was podcasting doing the roundtable, and we respect him for all the great work he did in his lifetime. Yes, let's give it up for that dude. Issue one, that was great. All right, here comes a flurry of Michaeltopias, okay? All right. In, in Michaeltopia, my nook, you know, I use a nook to read books at night, okay? In Michaeltopia, my 
Nook has a better search engine. I, I read a lot of fantasy. I read a lot of science fiction. Uh, a lot of stuff that has like volume one, volume two, volume three. I just finished volume two uh, of a of a science fiction trilogy. And when Nook says, "Here's what you should read next," I swear to God, every time it's Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, how can that be? How can that be? That's like, well, hey, just read start- it, Michael, and then it won't do that again. N- no, I, you know what? I don't want to read it because they keep <laughs> trying to make me. It's like, hey, you enjoyed Star Wars 1. You enjoyed Star Wars 2. We think you should go see Fifty Shades of Grey. It's like, it's horrible, and it drives me crazy. Okay, in Michaeltopia, we celebrate uh, Shaw Day. There's another one that she's not getting the love she deserves. Uh, Day, she got a lot of young men laid back in the day. She's a beautiful woman, and she makes great music. So as much as we give it up for the Bee Gees, we need to celebrate Day. Your love is king. Yeah, that's good stuff. Okay, in Michaeltopia, iTunes works like any other utility. It's the internet. I'm trying to download some Al Green, and the, I just keep it keeps like loading and loading and loading and loading. The internet should work like any other utility. You flip a switch, and it works. I need to be able to download some Al Green and some Shaw Day. Okay, in Michaeltopia. People do not find slaps on the butts disgusting. We covered it on this podcast. Like in football, you did a good play. Uh, One guy slaps another guy on the butt. We've all seen it a million times. So when a beach volleyball player does does it, it's not disgusting. It's a celebration of a good play. Amen. We had a great show. I love this. There's a lot of exciting things happening uh, for the Loftus Party and the loftusparty.com, the website. Uh, I don't want to count chickens before they hatch, but there's a lot of wonderful things happening for the flip side, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned for that. A lot of wonderful things happening for the website, theloftusparty.com. Stay tuned for that. There's a lot of exciting guests coming up on the Loftus Party podcast. Stay tuned for that. It's like crazy. It's like we're about to unveil our fall schedule, and I am so excited. Uh, It's everything I can do not to tell you about it right now, America, but you'll just have to come back next week. Uh, And you'll have to listen to some other exciting podcasts and radio shows like Andrew Apple. You've got a wonderful show. Yes. So Fresh, So Prince. Come get your 90s nostalgia as me and my friend Lorenzo rewatch every episode of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air week by week and talk about how it holds up both from a 90s sense and a comedy sense. Head on over to SoFreshSoPrince.com to find more. Dude, uh, next week, next week, you got to put some spin on that. That was literally like you were reading it, like you were phoning it in. <laughs> you were. That's like it's been a long guy, week, like, Michael. It's like when they hand the guy in the NFL booth the blue card, and he's like, make sure to watch blah, blah, blah this fall. It's an exciting look at how chairs are manufactured in the Amish country. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. This falls out of <laughs> so check out check out so fresh so prince stacy you've got some exciting stuff what's going on with you well if you want to see my twisted view of reality and what i think is funny interesting or weird you can look at michael's <laughs> website every day on the loftusparty.com and the daily dose 
Um, you can also find me being trolled pretty regularly on Twitter at, at Scott's Fire. And I got a couple things coming up here in the fall that are looking pretty neat. Nice, nice. And your your book of short stories, uh, Tale from the Freedom Bunker, uh, is, <laughs> is is it's a. I actually it's, think a I think a book called Freedom for Dummies would be a lot easier to write. We're gonna release it on Amazon and iTunes as an ebook, and you won't be able to download it. Tales from the Freedom Bunker. Hey, if you enjoyed Tales from the Freedom Bunker Part 1 and Tales from the Freedom Bunker Part 2, you might enjoy Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I had a lot of fun this week. Let's do it again next week, you guys. You're fantastic. It's the Loftus Party. Uh, be our friend on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, Flipside Loftus. You're the best. Have a great day. Be safe. Wear your seatbelt so you don't get a ticket. Not to save your life, just so you don't get a ticket. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>